Welcome to another episode of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, your home for the latest news and analysis from the world of college hoops. Back again are your hosts, Josh Burton, Phil Dexter, and Peyton Burton. You guys, welcome to another edition of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, episode 143. I'm, of course, your host, Josh Burton, and joining me tonight is one of my teammates, Mr. Peyton Burton. Peyton, we have seen bids punched. We were at one of the games so far of the entire uh, Champ Week season, even though it's in its infancy. We have so much to talk about. The madness of March is already here, and I cannot freaking wait. Yeah, man, dude, what a week. What a week so far. I mean, we've seen some high-level basketball being played. You alluded to it. We've seen some bids being punched live and in living color with that CMO versus uh, uh, Tennessee Tech game. Be able to see that and the, the everything that's transpired in that one was crazy. You got a couple more bids punched today. And, uh, you know, last time we talked, it was on Thursday on episode 142, and we uh, talked about Antoine Davis potentially breaking uh, Pete Maravich's all-time scoring record. Well, he came up just four points short, unfortunately. Um, still a legendary career, and the fact that he got that close, I don't care if he had to do five years, I don't care if he had to do it with a three-point line, whatever, still a hell of a accomplishment for him. So hats off to him, and what a career. I was so invested in that game. Uh, we talked about it. I watched it in its entirety. I think he ended up with 25, 26 field goal attempts. So there's something like seven on 25, seven on 26, whatever. But man, he passed so much. Uh, and a lot of credit goes to, uh, I can't even remember. They played off the top of my head now. But they it's were unfair. Young Sound State. Yeah, Young Sound State. They were double teaming him on every dribble. As soon as he took a dribble one way or the other, they were double teaming him. And he went right past four cent box him, dude. I would tell my teammates I'll be shots up tonight if I have to. And he played a good floor game and comes up four points short. I was really he had a three pointer at the end of the game to potentially tie Pistol Pete's record, and it was just left short. So incredible achievement. Would be interesting to see if they get to the CBI, which they would have to pay money to get into. So. It'll be interesting to see if that fee gets paid, and if he does, he'll end up breaking it there. But if not, incredible career by Antoine Davis. Comes up just four points short, man. That is heartbreaking. Uh, Peyton, before we get any further than this, as always this year, got to let you know that this podcast is pretty part with House Enterprises and House of College Troops. Head over to our site now, house-enterprise.com for more information. I just put up an article this afternoon previewing the SEC tournament in pretty good detail. Uh, covers the bracket, covers the you should be watching out for this week in Nashville. Uh, the sleep teams like a Vandy, like a Missouri, it's all in the article. Go check out house enterprise.com for more information. And as always, you got to show some love to ECB's title sponsor this year, Beauty to Beast Nutrition, located in downtown Edinburgh, Indiana. It is a healthy juice bar. Stop in, tell them ECB sent you, get 10% off your entire business. Peyton, uh, we talked to Antoine Davis. But it, it wouldn't be the show with a little that Texans head Mark Adams is in some hot water right now for making alleged uh, racial remarks. I, I don't know the full detail and background on this story, Peyton, but I know it doesn't sound good. 
And I know it's another week and another controversy. What the hell is going on in college basketball this year? It's hard to keep up with all this shit. Um, these last two months, from the Chris Beard situation to Brandon Miller to now with uh, Mark Adams at Texas Tech, I mean, I heard some shit uh, earlier about potentially a, a rumor of him uh, spitting on a kid and trying to deny it. Um, ah. Shitty situation, man, and I hate talking about this stuff because this is the time of the year where we all should be happy and excited, and unfortunately, it's so hard to stay excited for stuff for the March because stuff like this just keeps on happening like almost every week and a half now, it feels like. So I don't know what's going to happen down there at Texas Tech, but damn it, it, this shit sucks, man. I hate talking about it. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate, and uh, just like everything else, we have to let the, the everything play out, but it's not a good look. It's really not a good look, and so we'll have to come on that and see what transpires from here on out, but we'll keep you guys up to date as we find more information on the Mark Adams situation. Peyton, let's talk about stuff that's a little bit happier, I guess. You alluded to it, uh, you, you know, different tournaments going on, we were, I was going to wait. You know what? We will wait. We'll, we'll save it for the reviews. We'll save it. But that SEMO Tennessee Tech game was outstanding, and that's a lot of fun. But you know what? Let's talk about it's the end of the season, end of regular season. Let's talk some conference awards. We'll go through the Power Six conferences. We'll go through the awards. Um, let's, Peyton, I'll let you start. Let's start kind of off. Let's start with the ACC. Uh, who do you got for your player of the year and your? In this, um, to start off with the ACC, my ACC player of the year resigns in Tobacco Road, but it ain't Amanda Briquette. His name is Kyle Filipowski from Duke. He's a freshman. Listen, I don't care if he's a freshman or not. This kid's been balling this season, and especially when it got to ACC tournament or ACC play conference play. Uh, this kid just stepped up his game even more. Um, he's averaging about like 19 points per game or something like that and eight rebounds per game. And he's just been so key for this Duke team. And the reason Duke's starting to make a momentum now and making a run uh, towards March, the Selection Sunday's next Sunday, um, is because it's a lot to do to what Kyle Filipowski has done for this team. So my ACC player of the year is Kyle Filipowski from the Duke Blue Devils. Yeah, I like that one. I've got Kyle for another award, but I'm going with Tyree Appleby. I know it's kind of a little bit off the beaten path. He plays for a middle-of-the-road Wake Forest team, but the numbers Tyree Appleby has been putting up this year for Wake Forest in a down ACC conference. See, I, it, normally ACC has at least one or two kind of for sure guys. I feel like the ACC was so hard to project out this year for the award season. But I'm going Tyree Appleby. I just think the numbers he's been putting up, and if he wasn't at Wake, they would be even more trouble than what they are. Tyree Appleby is my ACC Player of the Year. Coach of the Year, Peyton, I've got Jim Laranega. I thought that was the easiest one of all the awards in the ACC to pick. Coach Laranega, fabulous job at Miami. They just shared a tie of the ACC regular season with Virginia. They will be the number one seed when we head into Greensboro this week. Jim Laranega is my ACC Coach of the Year. I thought about him, but I didn't go that way. I went with Jeff Capel from Pitt. This dude 
was fighting for his job coming into this year. And the fact that they were in the running to win the ACC this season uh, is just incredible. I think he's done a hell of a job this year to save his job. Now, I forgot what we had him predicted. I think it was towards the bottom half, maybe middle half of the conference in our ECB magazine. But no one really expected them to be fighting for a chance. And it literally came down to the last game, that game against Miami. Um, it came down to that. And if they would have won that, then they would have won the share of the ACC title. But they ended up finishing third. Still, great season. Great job for Jeff Capel. He's my ACC coach of the year. Freshman of the year, Peyton. I told you I had Filipowski somewhere else. This was it. Uh, tremendous job. Numbers aren't always the sexiest, but freshman of the year in the ACC conference goes to Kyle Filipowski. Yep. I'm on a sweep again. He gets another award from me. Kyle Filipowski, freshman of the year. Most improved in the Athletic Coast Conference, Peyton. I'm going Hunter Tyson from Clemson. He had to step up this year. Clemson is in the bubble talk for contention to the NCAA tournament. They led the ACC for good chunks of the season. I think Hunter Tyson was a huge reason why. I'm going Hunter Tyson, most improved. I'm going to go to the Virginia Tech Hokies. I'm going to go Sean Padula uh, from Virginia Tech. Last year, this dude averaged about five and a half points per game. He upped that to 10. Um, he's now averaging 15.4 points per game, and last year he was averaging 5.4 points per game. Uh, his three-point percentage went uh, slightly down. It was like 44, and now it's about like 38. Um, but still, this kid stepped up big time, and he's hit some big-time shots uh, throughout his season so far for Virginia Tech. So Sean Padula is my most improved. And then the first team, all ACC, I'm going Tyree Appleby of Wake Forest, Turk Smith from North Carolina State, Isaiah Wong from Miami, Kyle Filipowski, Duke, and then round the team out. I've still got to put Armando Baycott for North Carolina. Despite the year that they've had, Baycott's done what he's good, so I think he's deserving of a first team place. Did we do defensive player of the year? We did not. I did not see it, so I didn't write one down. Uh, well, that's fine. Uh, Lee Speakman's my defensive player of the year. And that's keep who it, I'd go with as well. Yeah, just keep it like that. I forgot. I guess I forgot to mess you on the awards. But my first team is Kyle Filipowski from Duke, Armando Bacat from North Carolina, Tyree Appleby from Wake Forest, Isaiah Wong from Miami, and Takavion Smith from NC State. So we had the same first team. Yes. Uh, let's move to the Big 12, Peyton, as we try to get through these quickly. Player of the year, I've got Jalen Wilson. I think that's pretty much a no-doubter. I know that's who you got as well. So we'll move on. Coach of the year, Jerome Tang from Kansas State. My coach here is Ronnie Terry from Texas. Listen, he they literally just finished second in the Big 12 Conference. I don't, he's not in the running for national play yet because he didn't coach full season, but I don't care. Uh, Big 12, he coached every single game in the Big 12 this year, and he's done a hell of a job. Ronnie Terry from Texas. That's a good one. I, I actually thought about him as well. Um, freshman of the year, I think this is a no-brainer, Keontae George. Yeah, Keontae. The only other one that would be in contention would be Grady Dick, but I think as a long term of the season, Keontae George did it bigger and better. Um, most improved for me, Peyton, I'm going back to Kansas, K.J. Adams. You looked at him last year, and he was okay, but this year he had to step up in a big-time role as Kansas, really their only productive big man. I thought he has had a tremendous year, and he's going to play a big reason why if Kansas goes back-to-back. Yep, we're going to sweep that. K.J. Adams, last year he only averaged like one point a game, and now he's averaging like 11 points per game. So that alone, he just stepped up his wall tremendously. So, yeah, 100%. And then first team all Big 12 for me, Keontae Georgia-Baylor, Jalen Wilson, Kansas, Marquise Noel from Kansas State, Keontae Johnson from Kansas State, and then Marcus Carr from Texas. I went basically a whole starting five backcourt, but I feel like that's kind of the deserving five. 
That's exactly mine. Jalen Wilson, Marquise Noel, Keontae George, Marcus Cullen, Keontae Johnson. That's exactly my first team. Now, this one, we're going to move to the Big Ten. I think this is going to cause some controversy because I think that Zach Eady is going to win National Player of the Year, deservingly so. But I think if we're talking strictly Big Ten performance, my Player of the Year inside the Big Ten is Trace Jackson Davis. 100%. Yeah, I mean, if you really want to go like co-play the years for this conference, you can go TJD and Zach Eady. But I think Zach Eady is great, and he's going to win National Player of the Year. I just don't think he wins Big Ten Player of the Year. TJD for me, too. Now, Coach of the Year, I will go Matt Painter for this one. Uh, we expect them to be more middle of the pack, and they've came out red hot, and we've seen what they've been able to do this season with losing big guys like um, Jade Nivey and company. So I, I think Matt Painter has done a tremendous job, and I think he's a uh, Big Ten Coach of the Year. I'm going Chris Collins, Northwestern. Uh, they're like tied, or they were uh, second a um, couple week, about a week ago, but I still think they're running for a double bye, and he's done a hell of a job at Northwestern. The fact that he's got him right now, like a fifth seed in most brackets, most bracketology brackets out there, is incredible. Hats off to him. He's my coach of the year. Freshman year was easy for me, Peyton. I think Jalen Hood Shafino's locked that thing up, especially watching him play today. The game just ended against Michigan. Jalen Hood Shafino's freshman of the year inside the Big Ten. Um, I'm going to disagree with you there. Um, if you want to go head to head since that game just ended, then you can do that. But I think Jet Howard's been amazing for Michigan this year. He's averaging 14 point points per game, which is more than Jalen Shafino. He's averaging more assists per game too. And he doesn't, he takes care of the ball a lot better than what Jalen Shafino does. And to be fair, Jalen Shafino really didn't start to step up until about later in the season, about a month ago. So I go Jet Howard for Michigan freshman year. Most improved, I think it's Zach Eady. To me, I think that's obvious in my mind, most improved, because you look last year, yeah, he's played all three years, but his jump from his junior year last year to this year to National Player of the Year, that is a super impressive jump. Zach Eady's my most improved. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to second that. I actually agree. I did have Clifford Amore, but he's kind of done the same thing he really did last year. And he's well stepped up a little bit more this year. Um, his rebounds have stepped up as well. But I'll go with you. I'll second down that goes like we did. And then first team all Big, e or Big Ten, I get Jalen Pickett of Penn State, Jameer Young from Maryland, Boo Booey from Northwestern, and then the two big men, Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana and Zach Eady of Purdue. I go Zach Eady from Purdue, TJD from Indiana, Jalen Pickett, Penn State, Boo Booey, Northwestern, and Jameer Young from Maryland. So we had the same – we've had the same first same team one. through all uh, these. It's, so. it's kind of easy to do these, to be honest. Let's run through these real quick. Let's go to the Big East Conference. Peyton, Player of the Year, Tyler Collick, easy. 100%. No questions. Coach of the Year, Shaka Smart of Marquette, easy. 100%. No questions. Freshman of the year inside the Big East, Alex Caravan from UConn. He's played a huge role for the Husky season this year. Alex Caravan, freshman of the year. Yep, 100%. Easy. <laughs> Most improved, Bryce Hopkins. What the Providence. hell? 100% easy. And then the first team all Big East, Tyler Colick of Marquette, Bryce Hopkins, Providence, Adama Sanoga from UConn, Eric Dixon from Villanova, and Baylor Shireman from Creighton. I agree with four of the five, but one of them I had different. Tyler Clark from Marquette, Adama Sanogo from Connecticut, Bryce Hopkins from Providence, Baylor Shireman from Clayton, and Sully Bone from Xavier. Oh, I forgot about Sully. I, I'm actually changing that. We will agree. I forgot about Sully. 
I'm taking Baylor Shireman off. I'm adding Suli Boom. Stupid mistake on my fault. Yeah, we'll agree. I can I can't believe I forgot about Suli. Um, SEC Player of the Year, Peyton Brandon Miller. Yeah. Coach of the Year for me is Buzz Williams. There's a few good candidates, but I went with Buzz. Yep. I did too. Been Dennis Gates. Um, freshman of the year, easy. Brandon Miller. Got to be. Most improved for me, Wade Taylor, the fourth from Texas A&M. Uh, uh, I, I, I guess we're just sweeping all these awards. I was going to say, as a freshman, he was good, but this year he's turned into an SEC Player of the Year candidate. Wade Taylor, fourth, most improved, and then first team all SEC. Brandon Miller of Alabama, Wade Taylor, the fourth of A&M, Tolu Smith from Mississippi State, Oscar Shibway from Kentucky, and then Kobe Brown from Missouri. I went my first team, Brandon Miller from Alabama, Kobe Brown from Missouri, Wade Taylor from Texas A&M, Colin Calciton from Florida, and this is really tough between Oscar and Tolu Smith, but I went ahead with Oscar Sheeway from Kentucky. Yeah, and I thought Colin, um, the injuries kind of plagued him is the only reason I didn't go, but he, when he played, he was phenomenal. And then rounding out Peyton, the Pac-12, Player of the Year is Jaime Hawkins Jr. I know you and I have both talked about that. Coach of the year was Mick Cronin for me. UCLA yeah. lived up. I know they were projected first, but he lived up to it. They've been as good as anybody in the country. I don't think you should fault him for that. Um, freshman of the year, another UCLA guy, Adama Bono or shit. Adim Bona. I don't know why I kept saying that wrong. Most improved. I went Muhammad Gie from Washington State. He's been electric this year. Who was um, your most improved? I'm glad I went different, so we have difference here because we had to select pretty much everything. Um, I went with a Dean, uh, not a Dean. So I went with Omar Ballo from Arizona. That's a good one. I thought about him. I thought about him. And then the first team all pack 12, Peyton, is I've got Guille from Washington State, Tiger Campbell, and Hami Hawkins from UCLA, Boogie Ellis from USC, and then rounding out is Azulas Tabellas from Arizona. I got Hami Hakes from UCLA, Azulis Tabellas from Arizona, Moha or Mohammed or Mohammed Gie from Washington State, Brandon Collison from Utah, and Omar Ballo from Arizona to round it out. And that is your post or end of season Power Six Conference Awards. We will end up having this in written form so you guys can follow along if you didn't hear them all on the podcast here. But Peyton, let's get into the action from this week. It's the final week of the regular season. We are now, you know, obviously we're going to talk about bids being punched. We're going to talk about conference tournaments that have already started, but it's the last regular season weekend for the rest of the country, the power conferences that have not started their conference tournaments yet, Peyton. And let's start down in Arkansas, where the Kentucky Wildcats, we talked about it Thursday, coming off of a loss on senior night to Vandy. People kind of got down on them again. It was revealed before the game yesterday afternoon in Fayetteville that no case on Wallace. They were holding him out. He wasn't quite ready. So instantly, myself included, we thought, damn, this is going to be ugly. <laughs> this is going to be bad against an Arkansas team loaded with talent. All Kentucky did without a point guard, because no case on Wallace, no severe wheeler. They played point guard by committee with Jacob Toppin, Antonio Reeves, CJ Frederick. Um, I can't even think of the other kid's name right now. Uh, where's he at? Where's he? A uh, the error. I can't believe I forgot him. Basically, running point guard by committee. They go into Fayetteville, Arkansas, Peyton, and beat Arkansas 88 79 and essentially led the entire way. Antonio Reeves' career high 37 points. He was outstanding yesterday. 
Talk to us, Peyton, about what this win means for Kentucky and why it's one of the most impressive wins we've seen this college basketball year. Um, the fact that they went in to Arkansas and won to the margin they did, nine points, says a lot about this Kentucky team. The fact that they did it with no point guard, with pretty much guys like Jacob Toppin help running the offense a little bit, Tony Reeves doing what he can, um, you do with the era coming off the bench doing what he could. Uh, the fact that they came in without their top point guards and Sevilla Wheeler and Kaysen Wallace is just remarkable. And not to mention CJ Frederick, he's been banged up pretty much all season long. Um, Booze ribs and so some stuff going on. I only, with him, played, so. only played 15 minutes and Cal said that we'd be lucky if we get him five minutes a half. Yeah. Um, so he's still banged up. He wasn't his best at all. Um, and the fact that they still won this game just says a lot about this. Kentucky has the talent to get to the Final Four. Will they? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we got to see when Casey Wallace comes back because there's talks about um, maybe he'll be back for the SEC tournament. May or may not. I don't know. We'll find out here soon probably. Um, but hats off to Kentucky, man. Like, what a game for them. They came out and just balled. They played hard. And listen to this, folks. Antonio Reeves did have 37. A career high for him for a Kentucky team. Uh, it was crew at Kentucky. But here's the storyline that you guys need to really start thinking about. Coach Cal outcoached Coach Musselman in this 100%. game. 100%. He went zone. The remaining of like the remaining like three minutes of this game, he threw it out a little bit in the beginning of the second half. But he final three minutes of the game, per Jacob Toppin's request, he went zone, and Arkansas had no answer whatsoever. None. Nick Smith, even though he had twenty five points in this game, he shot twenty three field goals to get twenty five points. I mean, that should say a lot. That zone was affecting them. Ricky Council had sixteen points on eleven full goals. They were getting up a lot of shots, and they did not shoot the ball well. Um, 32% from the three-point line for Arkansas. So hats off to Coach Cal, dude. What a performance out of you. And Kentucky, they're turning the corner, man, at the right time. Well, you mentioned it. Cal went zone as per Jacob Toppin, who has suggested, hey, we need to, because they were in foul trouble as well. I mean, Oscar fouls out. You had Livingston with four. Antonio with four. Toppin had three. Collins fouled out. Ware had three. 52 fouls in this game. Both teams had 26 apiece. The refs lost control of this game. They, they lost control. But on the Kentucky end of things, not only did they go zone, Peyton, you mentioned Cal outcoached Musselman. Cal was smart enough, too. If you go back to that first matchup when Arkansas diced Kentucky at the rim and scored at will, Kentucky overplayed their hand. This time, Cal said, I'm making you beat me from three. If you hit 12, 13, 14 of them and beat us, fine. But they played off, they sagged, they protected the paint, and they turned Arkansas into a slow half-court-oriented team that could not really get out and transition and run, dared them to shoot threes, and then the game got physical. And when the game gets physical, it plays into Kentucky's hands because they have to grind it out right now. And Arkansas bought it, it, bought it hook, line, and sinker. This game was ugly. It was not a pretty game with all the fouls and the stoppages. But – Kentucky, when it gets tough, man, they are really good when it gets tough. The teams like Vandy and Missouri give Kentucky problems where they can invert the offense, go five out, spread you, hit threes, dribble drive. But teams like Arkansas, Tennessee, and these teams, it plays right into Kentucky's hands. If you don't have the ability to shoot the three ball, you probably aren't going to beat the Cats right now. But to do this without both your starting point guards out, 
you ran zone, Cal called a brilliant game, and you get great production out of Antonio Reeves stepping up. Jacob Toppin, 21 points in this ball game, only the four rebounds, three assists, but he did everything right after coming off of a very lackluster performance where he blamed himself against Vandy. He did everything right this game. Oscar dominated the early part of the first half, ended up with only 12 points, did not score in the second half, but he had 13 rebounds. This was a Beautiful team performance. Everybody played. Everybody scored for the Cats that came in, is what I was trying to say. And this was super impressive. So now that we turn our attention to Nashville, Peyton, Kentucky locked up the three-seed in the SEC tournament, the double bye. They will play on Friday night, which we will preview here later on. And Arkansas, 9-12 and 12 on the year, 8-10 and 10 in the SEC is what they finished. Nick Smith did finally get going in the second half, but they didn't get a lot out of their other guys. And we didn't even mention – Devo Davis uh, got thrown out the game as soon as he was starting to heat up in the second half. He had eight points real quick and then gets thrown out. So now that we've seen both of these teams, what are your thoughts on both as we head into Nashville? I think if Kentucky doesn't have Case on Lawrence back, then I think they might struggle. Even though they did it in the road, and I know that's kind of contradicting myself to say that because all Peyton, they just did it on the road against Arkansas. I don't think that's a thing that you want to go into Nashville with. Um, Not going to make a one in the SEC tournament, potentially win the damn thing. You're going to need Case and Wallace, especially Case and Wallace. You're going to need Savio Wheel on this team as well, but you're more than going to need Case and Wallace because he's been your anchor and your guard play pretty much all season long um, ever since Sabine Wheeler got injured at Tennessee uh, before the Tennessee game and he stepped up and played point guard there and he's been playing point guard ever since so you're going to need him back if you don't have him I don't like Kentucky's chances of winning the SEC tournament or even getting to their championship game but if Casey Wallace comes back and he's healthy then I think Kentucky has a legitimate shot Arkansas is just a bad night at the office for them I mean the fact that they had 70 field goals in this game says it all. They could not figure out that zone. I think Muss is going to readjust his offense a little bit more, be a little bit more efficient. And I think they're, they're not going to shoot this bad from three again. At least I don't think they will. And the fact that Devontae Davis got ejected in this game pretty early on or 20 minutes in, um, this is tough, tough for them. But they still got the squad. And this is time of the year when he just gets shits going anyway. So I think they'll be fine. And how about Oscar with the double elbows? Probably should have been thrown out the game, to be completely honest. There's no probably. He should have been ejected. As soon as that first first elbow, 100%. But if you want to give him something, you at least should have gave him a flagrant one. It should have been a flagrant two. But if you're not going to give him a flagrant two, it definitely is a flagrant one. And he got a flagrant one later in the game uh, before the first half even ended. That would have been two flagrant ones, so he would have been ejected anyways. He should have been gone. The officiating in this game was the worst officiating I've seen all season long. SEC officiating just keeps proving that it's the worst in college basketball. I mean, I don't like talking about officiating, but the fact that it was five technicals called in this game, five of them. Three of them on Arkansas, two of them on Kentucky. No flow in this game whatsoever. Man, the officiating was awful in this game. But hats off to Kentucky. Great win for y'all. Yeah, and the Cats are now 6-7 and seven in quad one wins, Peyton. Six of them puts them right up there with some of the best in the country, not named Kansas. That is going to be huge. I'm starting to see people now. They've got them back on the sixth line, and I still think a five seeds in play depends on what happens in Nashville. One other last stat. Kentucky is now 16-0 and on the year when leading at halftime. 
So that's an eye, something to keep an eye on. But Peyton, let's move over to Tobacco Road. North Carolina starting to get some wins to keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive. They play their rival Duke in a rematch in the Dean e. Smith Center and lose a must-win game. Duke 62, North Carolina 57. John Shire starts his Duke career 2-0 against North Carolina. Talk to us about this game. I sure got the booms out because, once again, another rival got swept you know, Indiana swept Purdue, Kentucky swept Tennessee, and then Duke swept North Carolina this year. All three I did not expect to happen. If we, if you had told me that all three of those teams were going to respect their respective rivals coming into this year, I would have laughed in your face. But the fact is, all three of them happened. And Duke just ended, like North Carolina ended uh, Coach K's career last year in the Final Four, Duke just ended North Carolina's chances of making the NCAA tournament because now – they have to win the ACC tournament, and I don't think they're going to do a spoiler alert when we're talking about the ACC tournament later on in the show. I don't think they're going to do it because they're going to have to. They're NIT bound this year, which they will be the first preseason number one team in the country to not make the NCAA tournament since 1985 or something like that. It's been a long-ass time since that shit's happened. So hats off to Duke. Dude, Kyle Filipowski was amazing. He had 22 and 13, double-double for him. Tyler Spock is one of my favorite players in the country to watch, 13 points. Uh, Jeremy Roach had 10 points as well. North Carolina, I mean, Amanda Biquette did what he could. He played 30 minutes, had a double-double, 17-11. RJ had 17. Caleb Love, he had a chance to um, tie the game up. 60 to 57, I think what it was. And uh, I told you when I was watching the game at the uh, OVC Championship game, I was like, Caleb loves about to shoot some ridiculous shot. And boy, it was wide on cue. He shoots a contested, like, fadeaway three in the left wing and completely just clanks it off the rim, and they end up losing the game 62-57. Sweet. And uh, North Carolina's chances are over with. Let me ask you, why the hell is Leaky Black tank- taking 16 field goal attempts? Yeah, of that's questionable. North, of all the North Carolina players, why is Leaky Black taking 16 field goal attempts? Uh, that's on Hubert Davis. That dude, that's, that's on him. I mean, I don't know what to say. The fact that he's shooting the most, he shot the most field goals in this game for North Carolina, and you have uh, a potential ACC player of the year candidate, Armando Burkett, on the floor. Um that says a lot. I mean, this whole season, even last year, like, listen, we talked about it earlier. We talked about it about a couple weeks ago. If he didn't go on this run last year when they made the national championship game and almost won it, then there's a real chance that he doesn't come back next year because he's on the hot seat this year for North Carolina. But the fact is that they did go on that great run um, for one month last year, and they did make the national championship game, and they did almost make it. And we get, they got us so hyped coming to the year. Oh, they brought everybody back. R.J. Davis is back. Caleb Love is back. Armando Burkett's back. Guess what? You lose Brady Manning. It's okay because we'll bring in Pete Nancy and do somewhat similar things, at least stats-wise we thought so. And the fact is they just haven't executed, and this is all on Hubert Davis. Whatever you want to say, I know Tyler Hansen was not going to agree with that, but I don't really give a shit because it's the truth. You can blame all of this on Hubert Davis. It's his fault, and he's on a poor coaching job this year. I, I completely agree. And you look at North Carolina, it's the same thing. It is like their backcourt is like, all right, well, I shot. Now it's, you, you know, or sorry, I'm sorry, you shot the ball a time or two. Now it's my turn to shoot. No, now it's my turn to shoot. It's like there's a competition instead of playing within yourself and working for the best open shot. 
It's like RJ Davis takes a three. Caleb Love's like, nah, Brad, that ain't that ain't working. I, I'm I'm taking the next one. And then the next time down the floor, Leaky Black thinks he's a scorer, so he's gonna shoot. And then Pete Nance is like, well, I gotta try to shoot a three. And all while neglecting their best player on the team, Armando Baycott. Like, I feel bad. We've talked about it all year. I feel terrible for Armando Baycott. This is a kid who comes back, who has dreams and desires of winning a national championship, and they're going to go by the wayside because he's playing with a selfish-ass backcourt. It is unexcusable, and I really do feel bad for Armando Baycott. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Um, you mentioned Kyle Filipowski, 22 points, Proctor, 13, and then Roach and Mitchell, pair of 10. Hey, Peyton, what do we think of Duke? You know, they're getting better. We've talked with Phil. We've talked the last couple of weeks as they've been on this little win streak. Duke's getting better. We know where North Carolina, their season's going to have to lie, and they're going to have to run the table in Greensboro. But Duke has a real chance of climbing some seed lines here and making some noise. I think they're, you know, we've talked about it. I think they're right there with Kentucky as far as both teams could be really dangerous come NCAA tournament time. What are you feeling about Duke as we turn our attention towards the ACC tournament? I mean, they've won six games in a row. It should have been seven games in a row, but that Virginia loss obviously um, got screwed out of that one, so it should be seven in a row, but nothing here, no nothing less. They won six games in a row. They swept North Carolina this year. They're starting to get a lot better. The backcourt of Tyrese Proctor um, and Jen, um Jeremy Roach has really impressed me. And the fact is that the reason they struggled so much early on in the season and even the middle half of the season because they weren't healthy. I mentioned a couple weeks ago, they had 12 games combined when everybody is healthy. They've had a lot of health issues uh, just at the beginning of the year. And the fact is that now they're starting to get these guys back from being injured and stuff, and they're healthy finally. And they're starting to put on a winning streak. They're seventh in offensive rebound percentage. They're top 30 in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm, and top 60 or top 70 in offense. The offense is getting a lot better. Uh, free throw percentage, they're shooting about 77% from the free throw line. So they're hitting their free throws. The one question I have for them is a concerning factor for them is they don't hit the three-point ball well from three at all. 33 point, uh, 33% from the three-point line. I think that's got to get slightly better, at least get it to average about 34, 35. But Duke's starting to trend upwards, man, and it's the right time to start getting hot. And they're one of the hottest teams in the country. And they're doing it without a real out-and-out superstar. Um, Dark Whitehead barely played in this game, barely contributed. They're doing it as a collective as opposed to like last year they had Paolo Bancaro leading them. They're doing it as a collective, which makes them even dangerous because you can get guys like we've seen in this, four guys in double figures. Duke's getting there, and I think they're going to be scary come into a tournament time. Peyton, let's move on to the Big 12. The regular season title was wrapped up after Thursday night. Kansas has won 17 of 20 Big 12 regular season titles, either outright or a share under Bill Self's tenure. They walk into Texas as the outright champs. That's why I think we all picked Texas on Thursday for episode 142 when we did our previews of this. And it showed – I'm not going to say Kansas didn't try because Bill Self would rather cut his toe off than have his team just go out there and not try. But if you looked at this game, what was their motivation other than getting another quad one win? This loss doesn't hurt them. And they've already got the regular season crown – locked up they've got the number one seed in the big 12 locked up and they've got more than likely the number one overall seed in ncaa tournament locked up so besides just going to play in a rivalry game 
there was not a lot of motivation. So you could kind of tinker with stuff. And if you look at self, I mean, he played quite a bit of people. And, you know, Jalen Wilson, 23 points in this game. Nobody else for Kansas in double figures. Texas wins this game 75-59. The Longhorns needed this, as we talked about on episode 142. And they came out and played like a team that needed it. Kansas only led 2-0, never led again. You know, Tyrese Hunter, 20 points. Sir Jabari Rice was the MVP of this game, 23 points. Your thoughts on this? Is it Did it play out exactly kind of how you thought it would? Or did anything surprise you about this game? It's funny how you said this loss didn't hurt Kansas, but it's not the truth because this loss did hurt Kansas. Man, we went from being sixth in the net rankings to seventh after this game. I don't know how the hell that happens, but whatever. The net sucks. I'm going to keep saying this every damn week until they figure this shit out. That's ridiculous. Anyhow, uh, this game surprised me a little bit. I figured it would be a little more close than this, but I figured Texas would win. They would hold home court at the Moody Center. Um, that's turned into like a real home court advantage for them, one of the best environments in college basketball this year. Um, but hats off to them, man. They just outplayed us in every way. There's a couple of times in that game where we would get it under like seven points and they just hit a big-time shot. Jabari Rice in this game, 23-7. and seven. Um, He was amazing. Tyus Hunter did what he could. And Marcus Carr, I mean, he had six points, only six points. We had six dimes, three rebounds, so it's not like he played awful. Timmy Anna only had six points, but guess what? He had six rebounds. Dylan Mitchell had two points, but he had six rebounds. So if they're these guys, if they're not scoring like Tyrese Hunter or Jabari Rice was, they were at least contributing in a way that's not on like the scoring wise. So hats off to Texas. Give Ronnie Terry the job now, man. Like, what are we doing? Like, I don't care what he does in this Big 12 tournament. I don't care if they get knocked out in the first round in the NCAA tournament. What he's done this year is incredible. He's my coach of the year for a reason in the Big 12. Give the man the job. Like, what are we waiting for? Well, I I, I don't know. We've had this discussion. I, I think he should at least get the opportunity, but – you know, them, them Texas boosters, man, they're going to they're going to demand a high-profile name. So, But, no, Texas needed this game. They needed it to lock up the two-seed. They needed it for momentum's sake. If anything I took from Kansas in this game, they only scored 59. And, again, I know the motivation wasn't there. But this is the one concern I did have that I do have if they were to get beat before the Final Four in the NCAA tournament. Jalen Wilson, 23 points, nobody else double figures. When Kansas has been rolling the last month, we've talked about it. Dewan Harris, 15, 16 points. Kevin McCuller, 13, 14 points. K.J. Adams, a double-double. Grady Dick, 20 points. They've got production from elsewhere. This And again, I know the motivation maybe wasn't as there, but this is still that one concern that if they were to get bounced before the Final Four – it would be a stat line like this where Jalen Wilson goes off and the supporting cast does nothing of note to help him. But good win for Texas. Locks up the two seed in the Big 12 tournament. We'll see if Kansas, and I'm sure they will, they always shine out in Kansas City in their backyard. We'll see if they can uh, get the motivation back real quick to win another Big 12 title, get more quad ones, and lock up the overall number one seed in the NCAA tournament, which would put them back in Kansas City for the Midwest region, more than likely. Peyton, let's go over to the number one team in the country, Houston. They played this afternoon on Sunday against Memphis in the final game of the regular season and then the AAC Conference in a game where Memphis played them tough a few weeks ago. They beat them 72-64, but Memphis was without Kendrick Davis. 
yet another close, tough game in Memphis. Uh, the last one was at home in Houston. I meant this one was at Memphis. In Memphis, where they come out winners on a game-winning shot by uh, a Jamal Sheed. I couldn't think of his name for a second. Jamal Sheed hits a game-winning three to avoid the upset in Memphis. Peyton, your thoughts on this one? Uh, Memphis just has a way. Penny has a way of playing Houston close every year, if not beating them, at least playing them close. I thought Tremont Mike from Houston played really well in this game. 16 points, 8 rebounds. Like, he it's, he made some big-time plays, um, especially early in the first half. They just could not stop him. Like, he was just attacking every – attacking the win, like, almost every possession. And, like, he was just a little bully. And, like, nobody could contain him from Memphis. So, I thought he played exceptionally well. Marcus Sasser did what he does normally. 13 points, 4 assists, couple rebounds, played 37 minutes. Uh, Memphis, you know, Kendrick Davis, dude, he's a superstar. Saw it, man. Uh, 26 points, played 38 minutes in this game, um, and had a chance to win this game as well. They were down 41 to 32 at halftime, or heading into the second half, and ended up rallying to make it close and have a chance to win and got beat on a game winner. But, dude, Memphis, that's a team that I don't think anyone wants to play in the NCAA tournament because they almost beat Gonzaga last year in the second round. Probably should have beat them, let that one get out of hand. But the top 50 in both offense and defense in the country this year, the 16th from the Justin Tempo. So they're going to want to play up, play fast. Uh, there's 50 or the 58th and two point percentage. They hit their free throws as well. Uh, three point percentage is about 34.4. That's a team, man. Like, I don't know how many teams in the country want to see Memphis in their first round bracket. I don't think so either, and it's the same principle as the last couple years with Memphis. They rely on defense first. They want to turn you over, and then they'll push the action to score and transition. And now they have a star in Kendrick Davis, unlike that they've probably had in the Penny era there who can go get you a bucket. I remember the game earlier in the year in Alabama where they lost to the Crimson Tide, but Kendrick Davis went nuts trading buckets with uh, Brandon Miller and company until ultimately he goes out. I, I can see him having games like this in the NCAA tournament where he goes for a 35 piece and Memphis knocks somebody out. Cause I think they're more than likely probably going to be like an eight, nine seed. And that is a brutal, if you're a one seed and you have to see Memphis potential in the second round on one day's rest, that that's a tough matchup, but Houston secures the number one seed in the AAC, which I already had, They've pretty much locked up a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And it's going to be interesting. I When we talk about this next week, the AAC tournament, I would not be surprised if Memphis doesn't win that tournament. I think it's hard to beat a team three times in one year. Yeah. And the Memphis has played them close twice. I wouldn't be surprised if Memphis doesn't win the AAC tournament. Speaking of conference tournaments, Peyton, we were there in live and in living color last night. In Evansville at the Ford Center, set in front row, we had the best seat in the house to watch this bid being punched. It was going to be the first one punch, but then we'll talk about what happened with Fairleigh Dickinson. They got it by default, but this is the first one punch actually being played on the floor, and what a special game this was. Peyton, Southeastern Missouri State comes in the OVC tournament, the six-rated team, or the sixth seed in the Ohio Valley I Conference tournament. Or the five seed, yeah, you're right. The five seed in the Ohio Valley Conference tournament. They had to go four games in four days. They knocked off Lindenwood. They knocked off Tennessee State. They knocked out the number one seed Moorhead State on Friday evening, 
And then they played the number two seed, Tennessee Tech, led by Kentucky legend John Pelfrey. What a game. When we were sitting there watching warm-ups an hour before tip-off, I mentioned to you, you watch South Ercimo warm up. They were bouncing around. Their coaches were getting them fired up. The players were talking fired up. I said, this team's ready to go. They jumped Tennessee Tech early, led the majority of the way. Tennessee Tech finally slowed the pace down, got it to where they wanted it. And then that final minute 11, Simo was up seven points. They were up seven points when the final minute 11 and Peyton, I'll let you take it from here because that final one 11 was as crazy of situations I've ever seen live and in person. 72 65 a minute 11 to go. Simo's up seven. Tennessee tech comes down, hits a three. I think it was Ty Perry hits a big time three top of the key. It makes it 72 68. They saw it to full cut press cause they have to, they end up getting a jump ball. Philip Russell is, uh, gets trapped in the corner or gets trapped at half court line. And, uh, I think Seabree's the one who tied him up and got the jump ball. Arrow goes to Tennessee tech. They go down, give the ball to Deontay Wood. He gets a tough contested layup, goes in down 72 to 70. Um, once again, they're keeping the full court press because now the clock starting to take about 30 seconds, uh, left on the shot, left on the clock the game clock, and I think it was Chris Harris gets too ahead of himself, tries to spin move. Brett Thompson tries to steal the ball from him. He starts to lose his footing, and instead of traveling, he tries to throw the ball away, um, and then Philip Russell couldn't catch it. Out of bounds, Tennessee Tech's ball with like 25 seconds to go on the game clock, and right in front of us, Brett Thompson splashes a little dagger, splashes a three right in our face. They go up. 73 to 72. We're going nuts. I got my video on just recording this thing in awe of what just happened the last minute and a half or minute and 11. Chris Harris gets the ball, drives down, crossover, goes up for the three right in front of, I forgot who it was. I don't know if it was Seabree. It was one of the Tennessee Tech defenders. Gets fouled. Now, I told Josh because we was on the other side of the court uh, towards where Tennessee Tech was playing offense at. And this happened pretty much at the top of the key. We really didn't have a good angle of this. I went back and watched the video earlier. There's 100% a foul. He didn't allow him to land properly, hit his legs. His legs kicked out. They called a foul, rightfully so. Chris Harris gets three free throws. They're down 73-72. Makes one, ties the game up. Makes two, goes up one. Makes the third and final one, goes up 75-73 to with like, Five two point two seconds ago in the game clock, I think it was. Yeah, there wasn't much Jaylen, time. Yeah, Jalen Seabury takes it in from full court, throws a full court pass. Deontay Wood is a little bit short. He has to come up and get the ball right in front of us. Shoots it, or he loses it mid uh, mid uh, catch. We covers it, shoots it, splash. Whole crowd goes nuts. Josh That's is over there shaking me. I'm trying to record the nuts, bro. I'm trying to record the video. He's over here shaking me and shit. We recorded it. Well, I flipped the <laughs> camera and just showed our faces like, holy shit, what just happened? Um, and then they go to the monitor and seeing his foot was on the line. So instead of them winning 76-75, it goes in overtime. And Josh, I'm going to throw it back to you. Oh, what a setup that was, Peyton. I mean – First of all, I couldn't believe Simo, and I have to go back and watch, but off the memory, Simo didn't put anybody on the ball, which if you didn't learn from Kentucky Duke in 92, put somebody on the ball. 
but it was a baseball pass. Deontay Wood catches it. Bobbles, as you mentioned, double pumped the shot. Onions. The place erupted because they thought they'd seen a game winner. We went nuts because regardless, we knew a shot had been hit and we were like, ah, just incredible final men and 11 sequence. They go review it. The crowd where they, the officials did the scores table for the monitor review knew before it became official because the SEMO crowd was kind of peeking and doing their best to look and they could see the refs waving it off or not waving off, but saying a two. They erupted before the official announcement came across. They're like, yes, two, two, it's overtime. And then it was like, all right, Tennessee Tech went from jubilation. They're like, we got to play another five minutes. We were like, oh, we had to catch our breath. It was wild. And then in overtime, this young man named Chris Harris, the six-foot-three-inch senior from SEMO, took over. He ends the game with 26 points, 16 in the second half. What a game. SEMO wins the Ohio Valley Conference Championship in overtime, 89-82. They dominated the overtime period. And it was a spectacular turn of events, a spectacular game. The right team, I think, won that game because SEMO led the majority of the way, as I mentioned. And it was it was incredible. I have no words for it. Like, we were just shell-shocked on the drive back. We had a three-hour drive back from Evansville last night, and we were just like, what the hell just happened? And, and then I feel bad. you got to give a shout-out to the Tennessee Tech guys. Ty Perry played a good game. Jalen Seabury was phenomenal. He only had 14, if you look at the stat line, but his play on the court's phenomenal. You know, Brett Thompson, the junior that hit the he thought was the go-ahead three game winner, 18 points. We talked to him after the game. He was dejected. I got a, a picture of him right, literally right in front of me where he tucked his jersey off, watched Simo celebrate in just disbelief. Uh, got a shout at Deontay Wood, 24 points. He was a man amongst boys, only at six foot four, but he's a wide six foot four. He looks like an NFL tight end. Um, he sat there, watched the celebration of SEMO for a little bit before Coach Pelfrey made him come back. Just a tremendous all-around game. The Ohio Valley does not disappoint. And shout-out SEMO, going to the NCAA tournament for the first time since the year 2000. Peyton, so now the question is, we know SEMO is probably going to be a 15 or 16 seed. I don't think there's chances that they're going to upset a higher seed. No, I mean, it's always possible. But the look at the SEMO team, the way they get up and space the floor, up and down the court, want to push the pace. There's a team that you mentioned that if they were like a 16 team or 16 seed, who at the very least it would play into their favor and it would be a fun, entertaining track meet of a game. Uh, what do you think about SEMO punching their bid and going to the NCAA tournament? Well, coming into this game, they were ranked eighth in adjusted tempo. They didn't really shoot the ball well from three. It was about 33.2% from the three-point line. But the fact that they played such a high uh, pace of tempo um, really gives them a chance to get out and run and get some transition buckets. And that's what they did to really start this game. And uh, Philip Russell, I was hoping to get a chance to talk to him after the game. But obviously, they were celebrating, which I understand. Um, I would, too, especially. this is the. I, forgot, I, I think you forgot to mention, this is the first time that they've been to the NCAA uh, tournament since 2000, so it's been over 23 no, years. No, I said since, it. I said oh, you it. did? Okay, I was yeah. trying to get this video on. Uh, it's been 23 years since they've uh, been in the NCAA tournament, and the fact that they got it done is incredible, and I think this team can – I don't. they're going to be a 16 seed. I'm not going to say they're going to beat a one, 
but it wouldn't entirely shock me if somehow they pulled it up because they got a guard and Philip Wilson can get buckets. Curtis, uh, Chris Harris is a, a baller as well, and they just play so fast. And the, the matchup that I mentioned to you that I would like to see as a fan is I'd like to see if SEMO's the 16th seed, which they will be most likely, I'd like to see them versus Alabama, and let's just have them just run to the whole this 40 minutes because this would be a damn track me. That would be fun, though. But hats off to SEMO and sucks for Tennessee Tech, man. And just looking at this final possession, I got this on the screen on the YouTube show. Right in front of us, man. Whole crowd erupts. My camera's shaking because Josh is shaking me. And there we go. There's our faces. Man. <laughs> you can see in our reaction, we're like, what the hell? Look at that. Well, so, what much is... so, that, so much so, like, my so, half of my fingers, like, covering, like, the top right of the screen. Because I'm just <laughs> like, I don't know what to do with myself, man. Holy shit. What a game. What a shot. And hats off to both teams. Yeah, congratulations to the Southeastern Missouri State going to the NCAA tournaments for the first time in 23 years. Congratulations to Tennessee Tech. Uh, good year to get there, man. But that was a lot of fun. And uh, big shout outs to the organizers of the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament. That is a fun tournament. If that if we can make that a yearly tradition, I would love to go back because that was a lot of fun, well-organized and yeah, that's all I can say. A lot of fun. Congratulations to SEMO and Punch in their bid. The other bids punch that we know of so far, Fairleigh Dickinson uh, will represent the Northeastern Conference. Do based upon the rule, if you go back to a couple months ago shows when we had Bellarmine head coach Scotty Davenport on, he went through the same situation last year. Merrimack won the regular season and They've qualified for the final of the mayor or the Northeastern Conference tournament, but because they're still in their four-year transition probation period, they're not eligible for the NCAA tournament. So it would go to the second place team, which so happens to be Fairleigh Dickinson, who won the semifinal last night. They are playing Merrimack. Doesn't matter what happens. Fairleigh Dickinson is the AQ from the Northeastern Conference. So congratulations to them based upon um, a technicality and NCAA has got to change that rule. Peyton this afternoon in the Missouri Valley Conference Championship, always one of my favorite conference tournaments. Drake drugged Bradley by a whole lot to clinch the Missouri Valley Conference Championship and automatic qualifier. Drake is one of those teams, Peyton, that'll be as like a 12 or 13 seed that I think with the right matchup can pull off a shocker. Absolutely. They're 45th in defense. They're 46th in three-point percentage, shooting 36.7% from the three-point line. And they just came out right at the gates and just blitzed Bradley. Bradley's the overall number one seed in the Missouri Valley Conference. They won the regular season, and Drake just put a beat down. And the fact is, they played a week ago, and Bradley had all they want with Drake and ended up winning that game. But they just readjust. I talked to um, Coach DeVries uh, at the press conference a little bit and uh, had a chance to do that. Let's go check out the video if you wanted to see that. Uh, it was pretty cool that I got to do that. Hopefully tomorrow I'll be able to actually interview him for this Thursday show. Um, we'll see about that. But, dude, he even talked about is like – they came in, they had to readjust everything they did offensively because Bradley's coming into this game was top 50 in defense, and they have been all season long. And they just came out right at the gates and just beat them down. Tucker DeVries um, had 22 points in this game, and he was the uh, Missouri Valley uh, tournament uh, MOP for the tournament this year. So hats off to them. Great win. This is their first time winning the conference tournament since 2008. So run a run, and what a game for them. 
Dominant minutes. Yeah, congratulations to the Bulldogs punching their bid from the Missouri Valley. Like I said, one of my favorite conference tournaments every year. It seems, you know, Arch Madness seems to produce a lot of great games. We actually go back to the semi or back to the quarters. Indiana State held off and beat Belmont, who Belmont had a chance to tie it late. Indiana State played a great game with Bradley yesterday. So a lot of fun in the Missouri Valley. And Peyton, we have one other bid that was punched this early afternoon. Kennesaw State for the first time in program history going to the NCAA tournament, winners of the Atlantic Sun Conference Championship. And I kind of like on-site campus championships. There was something special because the tournament was hosted at Kennesaw State, considering that they were the one seed in the tournament. Knocked out Liberty, the two seed, in a great back-and-forth game. Kyle Rode, 20-some points in this game, was not Darius McGee's finest performance. He was held pretty much in check the whole game. But Chris Youngblood... He, I think he had like 14, 15 points. I don't have the stats pulled up in front of me, but he was okay, not his traditional self, but this Kennesaw State team, man, they go from in year one a couple of years ago with Abdur, uh, Abdur Rahim, one win the whole season to now they've won their 20 plus game winners and they've won the A Sun automatic qualifier and going to the big dance for the first time in program history. That is super impressive, and that is the feel-good shit that we love about college basketball. Absolutely, man. I was watching this game as I was doing the press conference earlier, and uh, I was just in awe. Like, both of these teams, like, in the game where uh, Darius McGee was held to, I mean, he was hit 14 points, but, man, he shot a lot of three-pointers, and they, at one point he was 0-10 from the three-point line. They had him in check pretty much all game. Kyle Lowe was amazing, though, 23 points for them. Um, he's a Kentucky kid. He's from the state of Kentucky. He's from uh, so hats off. Yeah, so hats off to him. But the fact is, like, Brandon Stroud, I thought defensively he did great. Like, he was the Atlantic Sun defensive player of the year in the conference. And he even then, like, he, he did his best. God gave us McGee did a hell of a job. And he still had – he's still able to get 12 points himself and drop uh, – get six rebounds. But you mentioned it. Chris Young played, which is their best player. He leads them in scoring with, like, 15 and a half. He ended up getting pretty much his average. He got 16 points in this game. Terrell Burden hit some big-time shots, 19 points. And, uh, dude, just hats off to Kennesaw State. What a win for them. And you mentioned it, dude. 20, in 2020, Amir Adir's Raheem's first year at Kennesaw State, they were 1-28. in And now we fast-forward to 2023. They're the regular season champs. 26 and eight, and they just punched their ticket to the big dance, man. What a performance out of them. Yeah, congratulations to Kennesaw State and company. Uh, Phil's working on trying to get Coach uh, Abdul Rahim on the show, doing an interview here this week. So keep an eye on that as well. Peyton, before we take a commercial break, though, that, that last play in the Kennesaw State game, they had a chance, ball in possession, tie ball game to win or go to overtime. And they wasted the clock, wasted the clock, wasted the clock. Drove to the lane. I think it was Burden, if I remember right. Drove to the lane, gets fouled. The game ends on a pair of free throws. He makes the first one, misses, I think, the second one on purpose. I mean, I, that's what they were saying to do, but I don't know. Maybe he just missed it. But regardless, he missed it, and Liberty could not get a final shot to go off. Um Great job by Kennesaw State. Crazy that it ends on a foul, but it was the right call. So congratulations to all of our automatic qualifiers. We've got bids punch and we've got more on the way. We've got we're gonna preview the power six conference tournaments that will start this week. More bids being punched. 
We'll have all the action and more. We're going to take our one and only commercial break of the show. When we come back, it's time to go to Greensboro for the ACC Conference Tournament. Breaking it all down and more. You're listening to episode 143 of the Everything College Basketball Podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh here, and I'm here to let you know that we've teamed up with SeatGeek this season to get you the best deals for tickets to your favorite teams. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, and they are here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun and head over to SeatGeek, download their app, and use code NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off of your first purchase. What's going on, everybody? This is Will Tondo, the co-founder of House Enterprise, and I'm happy to announce that the Everything College Basketball podcast is now part of the House of College Hoops Network. We're really excited to bring you some premier college basketball content this season, so check out the website www.house-enterprise.com for all of our content creators, all of our college hoop stuff, and we're excited to get this season rolling. What's going on, everybody? This is Conrad here from Everything Pro Wrestling, here to let you know that Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans, for the fans. Every Monday, we are live at 6.05 Eastern Standard Time with Clash of the Podcast, where you can listen to myself and my tag team partner, Sean Hubbard of Hubbard Wrestling Weekly, talk all the latest and greatest in pro wrestling. You might even find an old school topic or two as well mixed in. And every Wednesday, we go live on YouTube once again with AEW Dynamite post-show coverage. So at 10.05, head on over to the Everything Pro Wrestling channel and talk what we just saw on Dynamite with us. And did I mention that we are on all available audio platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Thank you so much for listening to me, and let's get back to everything college basketball. Much love to our guy, Conrad Cushman, over everything pro wrestling. It is WrestleMania season, so check out EPW for all the WrestleMania content and more. And I think AEW Revolution is about to go on or starting right now as we sit here on Sunday night. So go give some EPW some love. Go check out our guys over at House Enterprise and House College Hoops. And, of course, if you plan on going to an NCAA tournament game in the next couple weeks, download the SeatGeek app. Put in the code NCAA Hoops Digest and get $20 off your first purchase. Peyton, let's start in Greensboro with the ACC tournament. First round action kicks off on Tuesday night or Tuesday afternoon. Hey, by the way, afternoon basketball is back. How that, that, that's let's go. That. Afternoon let's go. basketball is the best. You know it? 100%. Yeah, I agree. It, and the tournament kicks off with a 12 13 seed matchup between Florida State and Georgia Tech. Then following that, we have 10-seeded Boston College, 15-seeded Louisville, and then rounding out the first night of action, you got 11-seeded Virginia Tech, the defending tournament champs, playing 14-seed Mike Bray's Fighting Irish. Could be Mike Bray's final game as the head coach of Notre Dame. So I don't want to go – it'll take too long if we go game by game by game. So what do you expect from that first day of action on Tuesday night? I expect – Pretty much everything to hold chalk. I mean, if I do see an upset potentially in these first rounds, I think Notre Dame can upset uh, Virginia Tech. But that's really the only one. Like, I don't see Louisville beating Boston College. Uh, Georgia Tech might beat Florida State, but even if they do, I don't consider that too much an upset because Florida State has really not been that great all season long, and Georgia Tech has started to play better here recently. Uh, So I wouldn't consider that too much as an upset. So I think everything pretty much holds chalk in the first round. 
Yeah, I'm with you as well. I think most people are listening to this or watching it live on the YouTube are concerned about a handful of teams. So let's get to them. Number seven seeded, which is crazy to say, seven seeded North Carolina. They've We just talked about it a little while ago. They've got to win this tournament more than likely to make the NCAA tournament. Or at the very least, I hear some of our bracketology friends say that at least make the title game on Saturday night. Their potential path would look like they're going to play the winner of Boston College Louisville. You would think that's favorable regardless. Then they're going to play Virginia in the quarterfinals on Thursday evening. They win that. They're probably either going to play Clemson or North Carolina State in the semis on Friday. And then in the championship Saturday night against whoever, Miami, Duke, Pittsburgh, whoever. That's not the worst draw for North Carolina if we're talking. They've already beat Virginia. They've got a win over North Carolina State. I'd have to go back. I'm pretty sure they beat Clemson. So it's not the worst draw for them to get to the final on Saturday if they play to their potential. Now that's the question, if they can do that. So what do you think about North Carolina's odds of running the table here to save their NCAA tournament hopes? I think they beat – I think they at least won a game – um, whether it's Louisville for Boston College, I think they win that one. And even though they already beat Virginia, um, I don't see them beating Virginia two times in one year. I just don't see that happening. And I think that's when they're going to take the L is in the quarterfinal against Virginia. If I was them, I think I'd rather be the sixth seed playing at Clemson than being the seventh seed playing at two seed Virginia. It was probably a little bit pissed off at the last time these two teams played when North Carolina just pretty much – dominated them the whole entire game. So that's just my point, uh, opinion on that. I, I can see that, but we also know Virginia is not playing worth a shit right now either. Um, if Carolina can jump them like they did last time a, a week or two ago, then we know Virginia has a hard time playing from behind. But Carolina's got some work to do. We know this to, to get an NCAA tournament. Let's look at their counterparts, Duke, who you've mentioned won six in a row, could easily be seven in a row. They're the four seed. They're going to play more than likely Pitt in the quarterfinals, which would be an interesting game, and then probably Miami in the semis. Peyton, your thoughts on Duke's potential path to an ACC tournament title? Tell you what, I actually don't necessarily like uh, Duke's path at all because say if they – Pitt probably will be the team they face in the quarterfinals. It'll be a four for five seed. Uh, Duke versus Pitt. Um, it'll be the Jeff Capel revenge game. But I think Pitt, dude, like they were, they had a chance to beat Miami yesterday. They only lost by two points. So I think it was the final score was like seventy six or seventy four or something like that. Um, and Pitt's starting to, even though they lost that game against Notre Dame, like they've been pretty solid all season long. And I think I have to go check it. Duke beat them this year i don't actually remember they did uh, at yeah, least did. once i know that because phil was there yes they did 100 percent. they did they beat them at home 77 69 that's the only time those teams played each other so far this year so this is definitely a revenge game for Pitt. i think duke will squeak that one out but man that's tough and then they're most likely going to play uh miami in the semifinals which miami that dude if that's to happen that game is going to be very intriguing to watch because miami has an incredible backcourt so I'm going to ask you, a team not named North Carolina, who has the most to gain from either winning the whole thing and getting AQ or making a deep run not named North Carolina in this tournament? The same team that did it last year, Virginia Tech. 
they're pretty much in the exact same spot they were last year. They're 18 and 13. Um, last season, they were 20. Or before the tournament started, I think they were like 18 or 13. So they're putting, there was 19 and 12, excuse me, um, last year at this exact spot heading into the tournament. And they ended up making a run. They pretty much have the exact same team that they did last year. Just uh, besides having guys, they don't have guys like Naheem Aline and Kay Luma, but they still have guys like uh, Grant Brazil, who came in this year. Sean Padula, who's my most improved player of the year. Um, they got Justin Mods, Darius Maddox. Like they got the Hunter Couture, not to mention him. Like they got got the talent and they got the coach to make a run like they did last year. So that's my team. I'm going North Carolina state. They're not a complete sure lock. I don't think for the NCAA tournament right now. I still think that if they lost that first game to either Virginia tech or Notre Dame, I think they're out of the tournament, but I think with a deep run, not only could they solidify, but help seed line as well. So I think North Carolina state's got a lot to gain this upcoming week in Greensboro. With that being said, Peyton, Who's in your final? Who wins the ACC uh, tournament championship? I got Duke taking on NC State in the final. And I think Duke comes out on top and wins the ACC tournament and gets the automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. Duke wins. What? I've got half of that equation right. I, I've got Carolina State actually coming out of the bottom bracket as a six seed, but I got them seeing Miami. I got Miami in the Jerome picks. I'm sticking the Hurricanes. I think Miami wins. Secures maybe as high as like a three seed in the NCAA tournament. Be very interesting to watch. Peyton, let's move on to the Big East tournament bracket as I pulled up here. Um, kind of your thoughts as we head in. We've talked about this might be the most entertaining tournament in the, the postseason tournaments as far as conference tournaments go. So what are you looking at from the Big East tournament here? I like Villanova's path. You know, we've been talking about them being a potential bid steal. I mean, they played Georgetown, the 6-11 seed in the first round. And if they win that one, then they'll play three-seed Creighton, which Creighton has a great starting five, but their, their bench play isn't the greatest. And it's kind of the same boat of Villanova. Um, Villanova has a great starting five. Their bench play, uh, kind of iffy. So they're pretty much the exact same teams there. Um, and if they win that one, they're a potential play. Most likely will play two-seed Xavier in the semifinals, and I like their – chances of beating Xavier in the semis. And then at the top half, you'll probably either maybe play Marquette or UConn or Providence or whoever. I really do like Villanova's path to uh, get an automatic bid. I love this Villanova team right now. We've talked about it, and I'm with you. I think the Georgetown game should be a gimme. I, I think mm, there's a lot on the line. I think everybody's really close. UConn's playing extremely well right now. They're in the 4-5 against Providence. Peyton, who, like we talked about in the ACC, what team stands the most of making a deep run here? Because I think I look at Providence. I don't know if they're in the tournament right now. If they are, they're on the bubble. I think Providence needs to beat UConn at least to get them back in and maybe – Maybe get to the final. Maybe not get to the final. If they beat UConn, I think they're in. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. I, I think they've got to beat I, – I think for sure they've got to beat UConn because if they lose, I think Ed Cooley's team's sweating it out on Selection Sunday. Yeah, I think that's the game. It's either win or lose. Like, win, you go to the NCAA tournament, lose, and then you're most likely um, not getting the automatic bid or not getting the outlawed bid, excuse me. Uh, but I think they can win that game. Uh, I know Connecticut's playing really well right now, but I still like this toughness and grit of Providence. And I think if they're playing with their heads on fire, like they're probably going to have to in this game, I think they could 
uh, take uh, Connecticut down and stop them momentum. But man, that's a tough one for them. A team to look out for that I think personally, um, they just got a big win yesterday. Speaking of uh, the team that beat Providence yesterday was Seton Hall. Seton Hall is a seven seed. They play 10 seed DePaul. Whoever wins that game will play two seed Xavier. I'm not saying Seton Hall is going to make a run or anything like that, but I like the matchup between Seton Hall and Xavier. Uh, Seton, uh, Xavier has a great offense defensively, but not that great. And it's the complete opposite for Seton Hall. They got uh, lackluster offense, but they're top 20 in defense. And defense travels, man. And I think they could give a team like Xavier a run for the money. I'm with you, man. And we've seen what Shaheen Holloway does as underdogs back against the wall last year with St. Peter's in conference tournament play. But let's go to who you think's in the final and who walks away with Madison Square Garden with the Big East Conference crown. Because I've got mine. It may be a little shocking, but it's a rematch that we just saw yesterday. I got Creighton in the final, and I got them taking Connecticut on. And I think Creighton beats Connecticut. I've got UConn coming out of the top part. They'll beat Providence. They're going to beat Marquette. And then they're going to beat an upset-minded Villanova. They're going to stop them short just like they did yesterday in the end of the regular season. I got UConn because their fan base travels extremely well to Madison Square Garden and takes over that building. I think we'll see a Nova run, but I think it's going to be too little too late when they match up with a surging UConn. And I think UConn, like I talked about Miami, can end up getting up to like a three line. They're red hot right now. Let's go to the Big Ten Conference Tournament, Peyton. And what do you expect to see in the Big Ten Conference Championship? I expect to see – I don't have, I don't know. The bracket hasn't been set yet, but I don't really care if the bracket's been set or not. I think Mr. March gets to the final. I think Michigan State finds a way. Uh, depending on who their path's going to be and what they got to go through, I don't know yet. Um, like I said, the bracket's not even finished yet. We still got this Northwestern Rutgers game that's on right now um, before we can see what the Big Ten bracket's going to look like. But I think Tom is, uh, man, the last, like, four games, they've shot over uh, – five games, excuse me. The last five games, they shot over 50% from the three-point line. And I love watching Tyson Walker play. He's incredible. And then you guys, guys, you got, you got guys like Malik Hall and uh, Mady Sisko and A.J. Hoggard. And I forget Joey Hauser can get buckets, too. Man, I think Tom Mizzo, no matter who it is, he's going to be in the final. I'm right there with you. I um, I think Michigan State wins this tournament. But we've talked about it for all the reasons you just said. They're shooting the ball a hell of a lot better from three. Joey Hauser is playing a hell of a lot better. But um, the way it looks, we know Purdue, Indiana is going to be in the double buys. They're going to be the one-two more than likely. Um, it looks like Michigan State, and as you mentioned, whatever happens here in this Northwestern Rutgers game. So that's going to be your double buys that won't play until Friday. I- I'm going Michigan State, and who they will play, again, the rest of the bracket will have to be decided. But I could see like a Michigan State-Indiana final. Now, we know Indiana doesn't do particularly well in the Big Ten tournament, but I, I think Michigan State wins this, and – either place, probably Purdue or Indiana. Do you think that the way the matchup set, they would have to meet in the final, but do you think that we could see a Purdue-Indiana Big Ten championship game? No. I don't think either one of those teams are getting to the final, if I'm being dead honest. I think one might, but I don't know both. But imagine how wild that would be. Game number three of the year. I mean, it would be crazy, but once again, I'd probably – pick Purdue because it's so hard to beat a team three times in one year, man. But I don't see either one of those teams get to the final. 
If I do have to bet one of those, I would say Purdue because Indiana has struggled here lately. And the fact that Xavier Johnson is now out for the rest of the season, um, that's just going to continue to hurt them. So I would trust Purdue to get to the final more than I would Indiana, but I don't expect either one of those teams. Hey, same same question we've asked the other ones. What one team of all of them need to make a run that has a lot to gain this week in Chicago for the Big Ten tournament? Because if you look at the middle of the Big Ten, you have a lot of bubble teams. I'd say Michigan. Uh, Michigan right now, they, they, they just got beaten overtime by Indiana when they pretty much led um, by like eight points or more the entire game and ended up losing it. Uh, in overtime, uh, they're still in the bubble right now. They got to make a run in the Big Ten tournament if they want to uh, get an at-large bid because I don't expect them, unless they win the damn thing, which could happen, we'll see, but I don't expect them to win it. And I think they least need to get to the semifinal, most likely get to the, the championship game if they want to hear their name called next Sunday. Yeah, I think Michigan as well. The other team I would say is Penn State. I know they've won a couple big ones here lately in the last week and a half but I still think that they've got some work that needs to be done to officially secure a bid. Another team I would say to keep themselves potentially from falling all the way out of the tournament is Rutgers. Rutgers has got to at least win one game in the Big Ten tournament, I think. They have hurt their seeding and potential stock a lot the last two or three weeks. So I think those are some teams that need to have a big performance weekend in the Big Ten tournament. Let's move on quickly, Peyton, to the Big 12 conference tournament race here. I got the bracket pulled up. On Wednesday, this tournament starts in Kansas City. You've got eight-seeded West Virginia, nine-seeded Texas Tech, seven-seeded Oklahoma State against 10-seed Oklahoma in the Bedlam game. Um, both toss-ups, if we're being honest. Both games very much toss-ups. Uh, any thoughts on that first night of action inside the Big 12 on Wednesday? Well, I did like um, – I thought I was going to pick Texas Tech to win. But the fact with this old Mark Adams situation that I'm not going to do that at all because I don't think they're going to be ready for it. So I think West Virginia beats Texas Tech in that first round there, gets another chance uh, to potentially beat Kansas this year. Um, and then the other first-round matchup, Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma State, man, they've struggled here lately. Like, they're they're the potential chance that they could not get an outlawage bid now, which would be crazy because, like, three weeks ago they would had a chance to uh, – really get a good seed in the NCAA tournament. Now they're fighting for the tournament life here. So they got to make – they got to win that least. If they lose that game, they're out. If they win it, they're most likely – Although they did have a big road win yesterday. They went and beat uh, – was it TCU? Yeah. Whoever – yeah, TCU yesterday. Yeah. Uh, they got a big win there, but I still think they got – if they lose that game, then – I think they're out. If they win it, they're most likely in. Um, at least have a good chance to win that game, though. But that's what I think. Looking at the rest of the matchups in the best conference college basketball, Peyton, the first game that will be on Thursday afternoon at 12 time is Baylor-Iowa State. We've just seen this yesterday. Iowa State beat the shit out of Baylor. Then Kansas plays the winner of West Virginia, Texas Tech. Then you get Texas with the winner of Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. And then the night capper is Kansas State, TCU. Who in the Big 12 needs to have or sh could have the potential to have it that helps them the most? I think Iowa State needs all the help they can get. But I think they're for sure a tournament team. But they've shot. Besides that Baylor game, they did beat the shit out of them, um, which was very impressive. Um, I still think they need a lot of momentum heading into March Madness. And uh, I think they beat Baylor. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think they beat Baylor in the quarterfinals and head to the semifinals. 
um, and they potentially potentially could make a chance to uh, get to the finals. But I think they got a lot of chances to get a lot of momentum. I think they need it the most. I, I think West Virginia, they're on the bubble. I think West Virginia needs a big week. They, they win. The Texas Tech game won't help them so much, but if they can knock Kansas out, that definitely locks them in the tournament with a decent seed. I think West Virginia has a lot to gain from this week. Um, let's The final, Peyton, who, who's in the championship game on Saturday night in Kansas City and who gets the Big 12 title crown? As a fan, I would love to see the third showdown the rubber match between Kansas and Kansas State, because my God, if that happens in Kansas City, that place is going to be wild. But I don't think either one of those teams are going to be in the final. I think Kansas actually gets beat by West Virginia, and that locks West Virginia in the tournament. Um, I think Iowa State beats West Virginia to lock themselves in the final. And I think it's going to be Iowa State taking on TCU. Oh, I think bold. TCU takes down the Cyclones and punches their ticket to March. Jamie Jackson, oh, you, Jamie Dixon gets it done. You're getting bold. I like it. But I, I'm going to stay chalk, basically. I, I am going that third rubber match, and I think that crowd's going to be electric. Two basically backyard teams playing in their backyard. Kansas versus Kansas State in the Sunflower game. The third time, winner takes all, Big 12 tournament crown on the line in Kansas City, Missouri. I'm going Kansas over Kansas State, and Kansas shows why they should be the overall number one seed for a selection Sunday. But I think it'll be a fun one. That Big 12 tournament's going to be wild. All the best teams from the best conference converging in one spot. Going to be insane. Let's go to the SEC real quick, Peyton. First round action in Nashville at the Bridgestone Arena begins on Wednesday night. You got 13 seeded Ole Miss playing 12 seed Old South Carolina in the Who Cares game. You got 14 seed LSU playing 11 seed Georgia in the Oh Well game. Not the greatest opening round games. Peyton, when you look at this conference tournament, who stands to gain the most from the SEC with a good run this week? Auburn. Completely agree. Completely yeah. agree. I think Auburn needs it. They've struggled here lately. They don't really have too many good wins outside of that Tennessee. Oh, no, they actually lost to Tennessee, didn't they? I don't know. No, they beat Tennessee yesterday. They beat Tennessee, that's right. They, yeah, they beat Tennessee They yesterday. lost once, and they beat them yesterday. Yes, that's right. Um, so they got that on the resume, but other than that, it's really not the strongest resume in the country. Um, I think they need a lot of help. I'm with you. I think Auburn, and you look at their potential path, is brutal. They, they open play up on Thursday in the second round playing 10 seed at Arkansas. Then they would play the win. Or the, the, if they win that, they'll play two seed Texas A&M. And then they're probably going to play in the semis, Kentucky or Vandy. And then the finals, whoever, maybe probably Alabama. That is a brutal stretch. But if Auburn could get through those four games in four days, they would absolutely deserve a tournament bid. Those are four quad one wins right there. Um, I'm with you on Auburn, though. They have a lot to gain. The other team, I would say, is Arkansas. They need to put it together. They're in the tournament for sure, but they need to put a like a good resume, confidence booster before the NCAA tournament. So Peyton, looking at this, this bracket's a lot of fun once you get to the quarterfinal Friday. The four buys are Alabama, Kentucky, or Texas A&M, Kentucky, and Missouri. When you look at this, Peyton, potential matchups, who you got in the championship and who you got winning the SEC tournament title. I'm going to be honest here. Last year when we was doing the SEC tournament, I said the SEC tournament 
Um, it was the excited, most exciting tournament like of all of conference tournaments last year. I said that this year it's a complete opposite. I mean, you might think it's fun. I don't really think any of these matchups really excite me at all, to be honest. Um, when you get to the quarterfinals on Friday, they'll be fun. There, there's some. I'm good, sure. Listen, I'm matchups. sure it'll be fun when the games start and be played. But previewing these games, I don't think right now they, they don't really excite me. Maybe that could be wrong. Maybe when I watch these games, they actually happen. Then maybe I'll get excited for it. But as of right now, I'm just not looking. I'm not excited for these games at all. I think Auburn gets to the championship game or not. Alabama gets the championship game. I think I said Auburn. Um, Alabama gets the title game. I think they play Texas A&M. Texas A&M just beat them. I think Alabama gets revenge for that, and Alabama wins the conference title. Yeah, I'm going to Alabama from the top. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Tennessee copes. They fell to the five seed. Can they get by uh, – I mean, they should get by Ole Miss, South Carolina, but can they get by Missouri in the quarterfinals to get to potential Alabama? It will be interesting. I think Mississippi State beats Florida, by the way, and gives Alabama all they want in the quarterfinals on Friday. But I think the final is going to come down to – and it depends. It's sound very homerish. This is going to very much depend on if a healthy case on Wallace is there. We're assuming he's going to be healthy, ready to go. I think Kentucky gets revenge on Vandy from this last week on senior night. I think they have Texas and Texas A&M's number because that's a physical game. We know. And I think Kentucky plays Alabama where ultimately the cats come up just a little bit short. I don't think that they're going to ran out because it's a Nashville and Kentucky takes over Nashville. So they're going to have that behind them. And it's a hell of a lot better crowd than what Rupp Arena sees nightly. I think Kentucky pushes Alabama to the wire, but ultimately the Crimson Tide win SEC conference tournament, despite me picking Kentucky in the, the Jerome. Let's round this show out, Peyton. Let's go to the Pac-12 tournament. This is probably my least excited one just because there's eh, – it's kind of meh. I, I mean, you look at this conference tournament, the conference as a whole has not been particularly great this year. So when you look at this, the tournament starts on Wednesday night or Wednesday afternoon, I guess. Who stands the most to gain from a big week in out in the Pac-12? Ow, I just hit my hand off my desk. That shit hurt. <laughs> um, I, dude, I don't know. I think probably Arizona State. That's who I was the, saying. Being yep. the sixth seed. Um, I do like their path, and I think they can beat USC, even though USC just beat them yesterday. Um, I think they can get – I would love – you know, most of this bracket – doesn't really excite me at all, but there's a semifinals of UCLA versus Oregon and Arizona versus Arizona State that I would be a little bit excited for that one for both of those matchups. Um, but either way, I think I think Arizona State has the most to gain out of any one of the conference. I completely agree. Uh, Arizona State and then second would be USC. Looking at this, Peyton, um, I, I'm going to go slight upset here. I think the final here. I think you're going to see UCLA in the final, and I think you're going to see their city rival USC. I think USC beats Arizona State in the quarters. I think USC knocks out Arizona in the semis because I don't trust Arizona right now. And I think USC puts a hell of a run together and knocks out their rival UCLA in the Pac-12 final and gets the auto berth from the Pac-12. I think UCLA gets the final. Um I think Arizona meets them in the final, and we get a, a rematch. The rubber match between these two teams and UCLA, like they did yesterday, Saturday, they're going to beat them. 
and they're going to win the series two to one and get the automatic bid. And there you have it. I'm just so excited. Conference tournaments uh, a week from today when we set here exactly one week from today, it is 8:35 PM on the East coast, Indiana time. However you want to look at it, we will know the field of 68. We will be looking at the tournament brackets. I am so excited. We are here. It feels like the season's been a blur, but until Thursday, we should be joined by some special guests. Hopefully Peyton can get this interview with Coach DeVries locked down from Drake. Talk to him about winning the Missouri Valley Conference. Hopefully Phil can get a hold of Coach Amir Rahim or Abdul Rahim from Kennesaw State. Hopefully we should be joined as well with a pre-recorded interview by Greg Waddell from Sleepers Media and a host of Field of 68. It is going to be a big week for everything college basketball. It is going to be a monster week for the world of college basketball. And you will find all the information here on the Everything College Basketball Podcast, on the Twitter at ECB Podcast 10, and in the Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com slash group slash Everything College Basketball. It is the best time of year. We cannot wait to cover it, to talk about it, to obsess over it, and to bring you all the action from tip to the final tip once March Madness ends. We are in the month of March, Peyton. The madness has already began, and I, for one, cannot freaking wait. Wrapping episode 143 up for Peyton, for Phil, who was not able to make it tonight. The same with Corey, for everybody else involved with everything college basketball. We appreciate you. We love you. And we cannot wait to come back and talk some more conference tournament action Thursday for episode 144. Until then, we hope you guys enjoy the rest of your evening, and we will catch you down the road.